Hello, I'm Toby. I like Doctor Who, and I'm about to watch a story chosen for me by a friend with the aim of mining it for positives in order to guess what their favourite things about this particular adventure are. So join me, watch along with me if you like, or just listen as I chat to you, offer facts, opinions and observations, but mainly try to get us to those special planes that Doctor Who takes us to, those happy times and places. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, with me, Toby Haydock. So who's my special guest this time around? Uh, hello, Toby, and incidentally, hello to all of you at home. Uh, my name is Tom Burgess. I'm arguably a comedian, and to one audience that really sticks out in my memory, passionately, arguably not. Um, but fortunately, the world being what it is at the moment, it seems unlikely I'll ever be able to gig to them again. Um, now, I'm recording this message for you entirely on location, because the story I've picked for you to watch, Toby, is the Sontaran Experiment. Um, and the reason I've chosen this one, really, is that it's the first Doctor Who story of the original run I ever saw back in 1998 on VHS. I was six years old, um, and I think even if it hadn't been coupled up with Genesis of the Daleks in that double video pack, um, I still would have come out of it a huge fan. So I think it's really easy to take a two-part story for granted, especially when it's sandwiched between two of the all-time greats. But there's loads to enjoy in it. Uh, and to make that point even clearer, um, I'm actually going to tell you two things per episode I love. Uh, so you're going to have five things in total. Um, see if you can manage that. Best of luck. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, it's time for the Sontaran experiment. Uh, let's... Well, welcome everybody. Uh, I hope you're okay. I'm staying up at a ridiculous hour to watch the Sontaran experiment. What did you do during the plague, Grandad? Oh, well, I... Uh, <coughs> Waited till everyone had gone to bed and I watched old episodes of Doctor Who and talked to nobody. Um, <laughs> so if you're out there, thank you for being there. Uh, nice to be with you. Welcome to my home. I have got up and I hope you have too. The Sontaran Experiment. Mine is all on Blu-ray and I'm going to uh, press play or enter or play all or select or whatever it is. I'm doing play all now. Um, well, hello. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a 50-minute Doctor Who story. A two-parter, so rare back in the day. And, um, <laughs> you know, this is something you sort of pop on, you go, well, I haven't got very long. And, you know, it's quite slight because it's two-parter. Two-parters, it's, it's never long enough to tell a story. And, of course, 50 minutes is what we tell a story in these days. Um, and, of course, yes, there's no such thing as a... As a story arc back in the day and this is this is a literal story arc it started uh, in the arc in space uh, and, and it goes on to here and then you know the whole setup of genesis has a ramification for the fact that they're not traveling in the tardis it's an odd thing actually tom baker's first season because 
we think of the Hinchcliffe era breaking new ground. Producer Philip Hinchcliffe comes in and makes the show more muscular. That's a nice word that he uses. Uh, uh, he bends, the doctor bends his knees as he lands. Ah. Um, but, but actually, this first season, um, while it's got the very unusual thing of most of it takes place around the travel to and from the Ark in space, but also um, it's largely old writers. John Lucarotti was originally to write the Ark in space. This is Bob Baker and Dave Martin who've written for the Pertwee era quite a lot. Terry Nation writes the, ne the next story. Jerry Davis the next. Uh, major surgery was required, so I wonder if that's what, when Philip Hinchcliffe, when he was uh, left to his own devices, uh, you know, never called upon uh, the likes of Jerry Davis. Oh, Terry Nation has a go, doesn't it? Android Invasion. Um, oh, and Bob Baker and Dave Martin. But it, it's just, this, this, this feels like they're sort of trying to recapture, you know, get some of the 60s back, which we don't, I don't really think of in this, this era. I, I love this opening. All of the, the rapport between uh, the fact that she's got, she's got a thorn in her bottom. Very few references to bottoms in Doctor Who. Um, only in my dignity. She is so good. When I was young, I, I have an, uh, elder brothers and sisters... Sarah was dismissed by them as, oh, she just screams. She was before my time, my earliest memories, sort of Leela, really. And she's such good value that the, the, the thorn in her bottom, the, the covering of her face with the hat, she can even pull off a yellow, <laughs> a yellow cagoule. I love these three. I think Ian Marta has a, a, a tricky job. I think Harry is sometimes written as a buffoon and I think he's sometimes got lines that uh, are quite difficult to pull off but he uh, I remember when I was reading about Harry Sullivan I thought he was a sort of tough guy and not not the sort of posh posh sailor um, but he does it very well because he's so charming um, and Tom Baker's arrived I mean what he's been he's not been playing the doctor very long at all uh, and he's and he's so good. He inhabits it already. He's there's nobody like him, is there? He was my first Doctor, and I think it's easy to take him for granted. But he, he is Doctor Who. <laughs> that grin, uh, all the business that he does. Uh, and this is directed by Rodney Bennett, who knew Dartmoor. He wrote books about Dartmoor, so I think he was. He was at home here. I mean, obviously, if we did this now, we'd uh, it would be more of a. Would it be more of a? Yeah, I think you'd have bits of. I think you'd have fun with monuments and bits of buildings sticking out of the ground. Whereas this just sort of reminds me of you know, the, the Yorkshire Moors or whatever. Um, I love the yeah, that, 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 I love that musical motif. The blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it's unusual, isn't it? Because uh, it, looks, it looks lovely, although I, wonder, I do wonder... I like a bit of film. I always felt the Doctor Who looked a bit more grown up and expensive, which as a child was the two things I wanted it to be uh, when it was on film. Uh, videotape is, is slightly less forgiving, but although th th this actually looks... This actually looks really nice. And... Uh, 
and that point of view shot of the doctor's quite you know he's being he's being observed and that, that rattly music is great isn't it um and he's in the uh, terry walsh is there now that's interesting because i sometimes i think 70s hair um doesn't help doctor who but actually the fact that these guys have been there because so, if you if, if you think about um Kenton Moore, Noah in The Ark in Space, he's got tidy 70s hair. I don't think that's dated particularly well. But these guys, because they've got the long 70s hair, because it's unkempt, and because they've allowed their beards to grow a bit, the, the 70s hair thing, I think, it doesn't look like 70s hair. It looks like, um, uh, it looks like guys who've been stranded on a planet for ages. So isn't that funny that within the space of one story, 70s hair, which I, I think in Ark in Space is a... Is a is a bit of a a disadvantage here. Um, I think is really helpful. I'm just testing my sound. No, my sound's right. Um, uh, he's yeah. Oh, because of the because of the trap and the mystery. It's quite because it's quite a straightforward story. Although it's a very <laughs> interesting story. But um, and of course I have to I have to be thinking about what what my lovely Tom Burgess has decided is the best are the best two things about this. We're doing two per episode because because it's a fifty minute. It's the equivalent of a of a modern series episode. I I won't be including the <laughs> Android in my favourite things. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a funny choice, isn't that a great shot though? It's a it's a funny choice to have something sort of on spindly legs, uh, to, to to be a, a sort of all terrain creature. Uh, you see, if you're played by Terry Walsh, you are going to end up falling off something uh, sooner rather than later, and in this case, sort of sooner. But um, I do like a stunt. Always adds a bit of drama. Uh, He's uh, he's landed very on well. He's dead, Zeke. Uh, and um, but yeah, the um, the sort of tea trolley, the bewhiskered tea trolley <laughs> uh, of the android. He, he's killed Zeke. Are you are you saying you only noticed Zeke at that point? Doesn't matter. Uh, And that's great because, you know, within the minutes, uh, the TARDIS crew are split up without going, shall we split up? You know, one of them's fallen down a crevasse. Uh, one of them has been uh, lured away by hearing a, a, a fellow in peril and has ended up getting captured. Uh, and that leaves Sarah all on her own. That's really nice economical storytelling that sets up various different mysteries because yeah what's this mystery who's 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 attacking harry who laid the trap for harry uh and then who are these guys who killed these guys so it's layer upon layer very quickly uh she's great isn't she i mean uh, i was saying before she, yeah she was dismissed by my i mean my elder brother's a bit of a thug so <laughs> So maybe that's why. But I think I think my brothers and my, I've got two brothers and a sister, all older, and I think they all were a bit down on Sarah. Um, 
So I wasn't in a particular hurry to see her uh, when I started collecting episodes uh, because Sarah was a screamer. And it's amazing how that that being sort of planted in your head means it's it's sort of received wisdom. Um, But actually, she's magnificent. I mean, I think she's so good. She gives value to everything that she does and in 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 these days where where you know you cutting and editing you know a lot of cutting was done particularly in studio was done sort of as as live it was vision mixed um whereas when you shoot on film you can choose every sort of nanosecond actors that that sort of keep things interesting um were gold dust and she's she's one of those she's always thinking about how you know how to add character to the action which which helps to sell the action or helps to bring something different to the action um uh, and she's i think she's very inventive i, <laughs> I, I, I quite like the, they threaten him with a a, a a smoking stick um now kranz is played by glyn jones which i didn't know friends because in the doctor who magazine episode guide I remember it was, it was Clans, Crans, Glyn Johns. There's an actor called Andrew Johns in uh, Genesis of the Daleks. And, I was, and, I, and it seemed like an echo of that. Because, of course, there's um, Terry Walsh in this and Peter Walsh, but Peter Walsh with an E, who plays Eric. Um, so it's like sort of funny, funny echoes. Um, but Glyn, and I, thought, I thought, is it Glyn Johns? And, of course, it's not. It's Glyn Jones. Now, that, of course, is, is very different because Glyn Jones... I knew the guy who wrote the Space Museum was actor-writer Glyn Jones, and suddenly, oh, so the guy who plays Kranz in, in this uh, wrote the Space Museum, so he becomes one of that small but illustrious bevy of people who have written for and acted in Doctor Who. Take a bow, Victor Pemberton. Take a bow, Mark Gatiss. Take a bow, Toby Whithouse. Um... And I, what I love is that you know Glenn Jones came to came to the show for both jobs completely independently. You know he's writing in the sixties, come over from South Africa, uh, and wrote the the Space Museum. Um, and then of course you know years later they're looking for actors with South African accents. So it's not that oh let's get Glenn in he wrote a story. It was because it was a totally different regime. So I like that tale. And I was when I started my podcast. Uh, Toby Haydock's Who's Round, I sort of put a general plea on the internet and I got an email from from Glyn Jones's mate, uh, a chap called Douglas in Crete, where Glyn Jones lived, saying, uh, oh, yeah, my friend Glyn Jones will do it. And he was one of the first interviews I did, which is slightly annoying because in those days, I, I felt that people who agreed to do interviews, I was like, well, I, I won't take up too much of their time. But actually, the inconvenience is agreeing to do it. Once you've agreed to do it, people are perfectly happy and I, and I think if I'd known what I knew only a month or so later, uh, I would have done a longer interview with Glyn Jones. As it was, I'm very flattered and, and, and happy that uh, I had that contact with him. Um, uh, I was slightly unprepared because I'd, I'd set up the Skype call early and I was just doing a test and I think he'd noticed that I was on Skype. So he called and it was an hour earlier. So it was about six o'clock in the morning where I was. Uh, and, I'd, and I'd not had time to sort of settle in. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. It was one of the first interviews I did for my podcast. So have a listen to that. It's on the Big Finish website. And he was a lovely fellow. And he, he sent me a, a copy of his Space Museum script afterwards. Um, 
where Vicky is called Tanny. I mean, amazing. Um, uh, so yeah, and and I think I think he felt that his costume because he was so cold. Apparently, he he, he feels he looked. Ah, that's where the advert was. Because uh, I first watched this from Super Channel. And there was an advert there, you know where the doctor is. And whoever had recorded the copy that I got hadn't pressed unpressed pause until Verrill comes in here. So there's bits of the action here. There's that bit with uh, Eric pulling the doctor's hair that I didn't see for about until relatively recently, I don't think, because because my video copy uh, from Super Channel had that bit of the action missing. They look great, these guys. Um, you know, I buy them as stranded... Uh, astronauts. I love the South African accents. Uh, I used to sort of mim mimic this and, and Donald Douglas, who's not South African, playing Burrell, uh, is, 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 is a very good actor. Uh, but also he, he does the South African thing very well. The others are all... Um, Glyn Jones is South African. Terry Walsh doesn't have any lines. Um, Peter Walsh, who plays Eric, I think was brought up in South Africa. Um, He's still about, he's a businessman. You can find him online giving talks about, I can't remember what his business is now, but about selling your business. And his son, Peter Walsh, who plays Eric, his son worked on the crew of the shoot where Jodie Whittaker was revealed as the Doctor, you know, that they showed through Wimbledon with her feet and to the, you know, the reveal, the 13th Doctor reveal. Um, he, was, he was on the crew of that. Um, and, uh, he, uh, and he's... He, he didn't act for long. He's in The Naked Civil Servant in the last scene. But he also, Peter Walsh, he returns to Doctor Who. Um, under less glorious circumstances, Rodney Bennett uses him again in uh, The Mask of Mandragora, where he utters the immortal line, I ain't going down there, Giovanni, not for all the gold in Rome. Um, <laughs> it's just very funny. Um, but I like this South African crew, and I think using everybody having the same accent to suggest because where everything's you know every, a lot of telly is RP at this time um, unless you've got a job that involves getting your hands dirty in which case you can be northern <laughs> or unless you're a bit of a bit of a wide boy when you can be a cockney um, but um, you know un unusual accents in Doc 2 are, are, are you know are relatively novel and I think that gives these characters their own sort of special thing um, and it does what it suggests what it's supposed to suggest as well that they are sort of from an independent colony and I think they do a good good stab of it because they haven't got they haven't got a building they've got a fire and uh, I like that they're having they're eating a bit of stuff here and picking picking bits off of it and you know, chucking the bits they can't eat and you know, have a chat while I eat. I like all of that. I buy it. It's sort of down and dirty. Um, yeah, you get the impression that there's they all they've got makeup that looks makes it look like they've been outside a long time and haven't had much sleep. It's uh, I think the depiction of these three guys who could be quite boring is uh, is one of the the strong points. And and the little idioms they have like you know check and. Yanistan and all of that sort of thing. Uh, I, I even like the way Donald Douglas chooses food. Um, I like actors who just do bits to make it. And I love Roth. Poor old Roth. The, 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 
scared, slightly broken, mentally broken fellow, Peter Rutherford, who, when I moved to Manchester, was doing a play up the road here at the Royal Exchange in, what would that be, 92, something like that. And, and I was like, oh, he's still acting, that's good. And I, you know, I should have left a note and done an interview, but I was a young student. I had discos to dance at and young ladies to fail to pick impress. <laughs> um, he's they've they've bought into the doctor's sort of obtuseness in in the writing and and what they give Tom Baker to do really early. They all of this stuff about I love clocks is gloriously <laughs> obtuse. <laughs> And the timing when he adds to the cuckoo clocks. That's great. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're actually, you could tell it's quite, I think it was really, really cold there. Um, that's what Glyn Jones, Glyn Jones said. Anyway, Glyn Jones, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry Walsh, Peter Walsh. And that, does, that happens quite sometimes quite a lot. I remember in the, in the, in the, in the Hartnell era, there's William Hartnell, Stephen Dartnell, William Hartnell, William Russell, St William Hartnell, William, William Hartnell, Stephen Dartnell, William Russell. There's a sort of, it's like they've only got a certain amount of letters to go around. Which I wonder if you'd be allowed a machete. They've got a machete. Um... And of course, of course, it's called the Sontaran experiment. It's only a two-parter, but but we don't. Yeah, we created an empire. Yeah, I I I buy that. Yeah, so you're all, and that's a nice contrast to the sort of sterility of uh, 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 and the formal language of of everybody in uh, in uh, in the arc in space. Uh, yeah, well done, Donald Douglas. Just giving the impression that no, no, guys, don't run off. We've we've got a prisoner here, who we have to leave to escape for plot purposes. Um, but at least he, you know, he plays lip service to this, by or or arm grab service to this. It's a funny old coat, Tom, because it's, it's it's useful. It's good he had that coat. It's almost like he was planning to break his collarbone, which he does uh, shortly later. So. Um, Rodney Bennett, who directed this new Dartmoor, in fact, wrote books about Dartmoor. Um, I was very lucky to to go and visit him at his house. He was a charming man, quite old-fashioned courtesy he had. Uh, and he said off instead of off, which I always found very charming. He and his wife, Jill, invited me to their house in Bath and gave me great hospitality. That's how he spoke, and it was lovely. It was so disarming. And he had mobility problems there as the, uh, at that time, um, and I think quite a lot in, in later life. Um, I found your sonic screwdriver. Shh, what would I do without you? I love that exchange. These, I mean, these guys haven't been working together for very long at all. They've totally hit it off. Um, and actually having this location like this is great, isn't it? It gives it a real... I'm going to use the word verisimilitude, which I get into trouble for from... Radio Free Scaro is a word. Stephen Schapansky says I use that word all the time. He's probably right. Um, 
But yeah, Rod, Rodney Bennett is, was very good friends with Maureen O'Brien. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, this is directed this and Ark in Space. And Mask of Mandragoran was a sort of... When I was a kid reading Doctor Who magazine and stuff, Christopher Barry and Michael Bryant and people like that were, were interviewed quite often. Nobody interviewed Rodney Bennett for quite a while. Um, and, and the rival school in Grange Hill is called Rodney Bennett, isn't it? And I, I've got a feeling, I don't know, I did a who's round with him, have a listen. Uh, if it's not there, the answer is, I'm going to give you... So I, I think I said, oh, and of course, you're named after the, 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 the school, the rival school in Grange Hill is named after you. And he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. So I think that was one of those things where we went, ah, it's this thing. It was nothing to do with that at all. I, I may have misremembered that. He may have gone, yes, absolutely, I invented Grange Hill, but I don't... I don't, I don't think the, the, the school in being called Rodney Bennett has anything to do with him at all. Uh, hello, the robot. If there are any Grange Hill people for whom I've misremembered that, write in and I'll do a, I think you'll find, uh, because I, I, the, the, the law with these things is I'm doing some quite factual podcasts. Uh, these are more you've come to my house uh, and we're watching Doc 2 together and we're just having a chat I make no claim to uh, factual accuracy then why do we bother listening Toby I'm, I haven't quite figured because I hope because I hope you enjoy my company uh, I love the Sontaran spaceship and I love the fact that they've stayed they've stayed more consistent than the Sontarans themselves hmm and look at that dripping water and all of that, which, which again, it, it, it seems like such a small thing, but actually you don't get water uh, in a studio much. So, so having, having, you know, water and on location, having the elements, and you could see, see the actor's breath, when sometimes, you know, a grassy knoll would be a, you know, a bit of sackcloth uh, on, 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 a, on, a, on a few uh, uh, stage mounts, you know, so... Um, I'm loving the rocks, actually, and, and the, that's a great angle. Uh, oh, God, we're at the end of episode one already. Um, yeah, so, oh, so Peter Rutherford, yes, was at the Royal Exchange, and I didn't speak, and he, he died mid-90s, mid I should think, which is very sad, but was still acting, so still, still kept a career going, so good for him. Uh, and here's Lynx. Not Lynx, it's Steyer, but she thinks it's Lynx. Because the beautiful thing about the Sontarans is that they are clone creatures, so you can reuse the assets in order to save money, uh, except their masks in the classic series are never the same <laughs> in any story. So there we go. Uh, uh, so uh right i haven't actually i haven't uh, named two things yet so um the sontaran experiment episode one well i'm definitely going for the south african brogue and you know general general demeanor of uh the galsec astronauts i like the whole press pause toby uh um I like the South Africanness uh, of the crew, and I like. I just. 
I just love the rapport between that. I mean, that opening scene, everything that those characters do, all that that banter that they have, it's so fresh, it's so easy, it's so much of it's not on the page. It's, I mean, it's gold dust when you're making television in the 70s to have that sort of chemistry and, and, and that sort of extra value from your actors. So I would say the dynamic of the TARDIS crew and the South Africanness of the gap of the of everyone else, um, bar Terry Walsh because he didn't say anywhere any, anything. He was just there to fall off a thing. What has my friend Tom Burgess elected to choose? Hello again, Toby. Uh, well, you've watched the Sontaran experiment, and in the meantime, I've moved to a different bit of the location I'm in, uh, like they used to do on the years tapes in the nineties. Uh, and in the last 50 minutes, I have broken my collarbone, I've been captured by three South Africans, and I've sucked the innards from a potato. So in many ways, we've had the exact same experience. Um, now, I'll tell you my favourite things from the Sontaran experiment. Uh, my first of two favourite things from part one is the TARDIS crew. How lucky was I to see this TARDIS crew for my first ever proper episode of Doctor Who? Um, I think Harry and Sarah's relationship in that first scene where they all touch down on Earth is lovely. Tom Baker is, at this stage, still quite an unknown quantity. He's calmed down from Robot and there's a bit of a dry humour creeping through. I think they're an absolute delight to watch. Um, my second favourite thing from the Sontaran experiment, which again, I remember making an impression from the first time I watched it, is the music. Um, like it's easy to take a two-parter for granted, I think it's really easy to take Dudley Simpson for granted when he's basically doing all the music all the time. Um, he's just the bread and butter of Doctor Who, isn't he? Uh, but what really stands out for me is the sort of shriek that the music gives at uh, the end of part one when Steyer takes off his helmet for the first time. It's um, stabbed into my heart like a dagger. Uh, then we're on to part two. Oh, no. Yeah, we're not on to part two yet. I'm going to go on to part two, but that will be in a separate broadcast. So Tom chose the TARDIS crew and Dudley Simpson, and I, I like yeah, I mentioned the 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 the, the, the that um, but I didn't choose it as one of my favourite things, which means I can't choose it next time. So we're even Stevens because uh, I chose one of his and not the other. Uh, uh, oh, he's good value. He's Tom, isn't he? Welcome back to my gaff. It's going to be episode two of the Sontaran Experiment. It'll be torture. <laughs> Quiet at the back. Press play now. Um, interesting, I was musing about the... I haven't had time to look it up, the Rodney Bennett and Grain Chill thing. I know there was a reason... Uh, I'd either... Th thought it was the case and discovered it wasn't the case and it's a terrible thing when when i've interviewed people now uh, i you know because i used to i'd read this I'd, I'd read doctor who magazine i'd watch these things i'd soak up this stuff and commit it to memory that's why i know that glyn jones is glyn johns in uh in the doctor who episode guide in doctor who magazine for this particular issue um but when you're interviewing somebody you, you've got your eye on everything on the next question on making sure it's all recorded that actually I don't take any of it in when I'm doing the interview. Then I hate listening to myself afterwards. So I think there's probably stuff 
if you've listened to my podcasts, you probably know more about what the people who made it think than I do. Um, now, it's a, it is a very good mask. I prefer the Lynx mask because I like the bristle. I like the closeness of it to his skin, and it, uh, it, it's a, it's a better fix to Kevin Lindsay's face. And I like the, the, the prickly beard that he has. But this is, this is a good mask. The go look. It's, it's like the golem, as, uh, 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 you look the same, except you, you don't, because. The actor who played you had breathing difficulties with the last mask, so we've made a one that's a bit airier. Um, identical. No, I'm not. <laughs> Nor I mean, it's not as bad as the invasion of time, where the, the same Sontaran looks different between studio sessions. Stall has a must, almost a moustache in 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 one set of studio sessions and not in the other. Um, no, no, in the in the OB sessions, he has a different. He's got different makeup. Um, but I, I, I remember in the book, Harry thinks that Steyer looks like the golem, and I, I, I get that. Uh, oh, poor old Roth. It's sort of he served his purpose, and he's, and he, oh, he's killed. But I love that. Why did you make that disagreeable noise? And, and, and that sort of bluntness is, is, is horrible. And the, what does he say? The moron was of no fun. <laughs> so he's actually... He is, he is quite mean, but he's quite deadpan with his meanness. And I love the way he holds her face. Yeah, when he does that, he treats her like a sort of specimen. Uh, and Kevin Lindsay as Steyer is great. I mean, he's, a, he's off the back of playing Lynx, which is one of the very best uh, man in a monster costume performances in the whole of Doctor Who, I think. Uh, but we'll come to that when we talk about the Time Warrior at some point. Um, <laughs> I love his reaction to this. <laughs> He's not, no, not very happy to see you. <laughs> He's brilliant. He's such a, uh, a, a sort of gleeful troublemaker. Obtuse. I, he's, I love, yeah, I've said it three times. Now. Obtuse is the new verisimilitude. You heard it here first, folks. Um, and I, yes, I now I didn't quite understand in the book. The book is quite a sort of sweaty, headachey affair with lots of sort of parched throats and uh, people, st you know, stumbling about blindly. He's, he's very visceral, Ian Marta, when he writes the books, which I, I found quite unpalatable as a youngster. I preferred them to be slightly sort of easier to experience. I, I found his books a bit much and there were ones I had to sort of take a run up to uh, Give me a break. I started reading them quite quite early, but I've, I definitely found the Terence Dix ones more accessible than the than the Malcolm Hulks and, cer and, and, and certainly the Ian Martyrs. Um, um, uh, but but I remember I, rem I, I remember how he, he fleshed out in the book. But I I was too young to get that the the prisoner, this prisoner here, played by Brian Ellis. Oh yeah, but Peter Walsh and. Terry Walsh, and you've got Brian Ellis, who is in Mask of Mandragora, also directed by Rodney Bennett. Uh, which, uh, 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 but he's also, but in Revenge of the Cybermen, in a couple of stories' time, there is Brian Grellis. So you've got Brian Ellis, Brian Grellis, Peter Walsh, Terry Walsh. It's, it's, there are only a certain amount of names to go around. Um, that nobody's actually told this prisoner to be South African, though. I suppose it doesn't really matter. He's, uh, he's, he, he, but I, and that's only just occurred to me. It's never bothered me before. 
Um, and it's really horrible, this, but I, you see, I thought Roth had been sort of g- g- baked by the laser gun and, and sort of left to die. And that was who, that was who Harry had found. I, I, I hadn't picked up on the fact that he was an, I, I, I read a lot of the, it was only when I came to the books the second time round um, that I understood all of them because I was reading stuff that was above my reading age but that's okay I still had a great time uh, and I learned stuff and I learned some stuff that was wrong uh, uh, but then I went back to them because you know Doctor Who rewards uh, repeat visitings which is why this is probably the oh, what 20 21st 22nd time I've seen this that seems bizarre isn't it I've never read the mill on the floss but I've seen the Sontaran experiment over 20 times. <laughs> and you know what? I don't care. It's whatever gets you through this life. And Doctor Who's got me through thick and thin. I like Kevin Lindsay's diction because he was an Australian. Uh, and he's an Australian doing RP, which gives him this slightly pinched kind of because he's trying to slightly flatten out his uh, well he's yeah he's he, yeah he's trying to sort of anglicize his uh, his colonial his own his colonial <laughs> but but you know yeah he's, instead of being uh you know australian he's uh, he's sort of flattened them out a bit and gone the the moron was of no feather so it's slightly pinched uh and it and it works and it gives the sontarans well, I mean, it's certainly better than Derek Deadman in Invasion of the Time, who is a, a an avowed Cockney, uh, and uh, and Clinton Green in uh, Two Doctors. I would dearly love to kill you, Doctor. Is very Welsh. Um, uh, very good. Uh, force field acting here by and just that very simple sound effect and the and the modulation of the sound effects the fact that it gets more intensity pushes it is just a lovely simple way of selling that illusion well done everybody knock his belly head off <laughs> oh she looks oh she's so good um and I love all these. I love these rocky outcrops that they've got. And again, because I think they planned to have some interiors, didn't they? I think a hut for the for for the for the Galset guys, and perhaps the inside of the spaceship. I, I know they wanted some interiors, but instead they've just sort of built it all into the into the landscape. And why not? Why wouldn't Steyer get his his space telly out of his ship so he can just ch- you know he can have it at a, a, at an important vantage point or whatever. And again, this is this is very clever use of resources because yes, the Sontarans are identical. So you've got Kevin Lindsay playing both characters, um, which makes up for the fact that he's barely in episode one. He, it's it's weird. I've seen him in the odd episode of Zed Cars and things like that. I remember, um, I remember seeing something advertised saying Robert Lindsay stars in. And I was like, oh, Robert. And, I, and, and so for, for ages, Robert Lindsay and Kevin Lindsay were slightly interchangeable for me. But of course, they're very different beasts. Um, I've seen Kevin Lindsay in sort of things like Zed Cars and stuff. Um, uh, and, and, and he's a, you know, he's a sort of 
he's a he's a character actor of the of the time he did he he was a milkman in an advert as well wasn't he he had quite a famous advertising campaign but i think this was his last job he he was he he died in 1975 um i think a couple of months after this was broadcast um in fact i think elizabeth sladen said that it was when they were recording pyramids of mars that they that, that the news came through that he died um Ah, that's a good snake for a for a very short effect. Um and Kevin Lindsay's partner was Trevor Bentham, who you won't find this in any Doc Two magazines, who was the stage manager of the Royal Court Theatre. I only I think he was the stage manager of the Royal Court Theatre. Is that right? Um who later became the partner of the actor Sir Nigel Hawthorne. Uh, and when Nigel Hawthorne died, it was it was terrible because they were a, a, a gay couple. But I think it it predated civil partnerships, or certainly there was a, there was an inheritance issue. And Trevor Bentham, I think, had to sell up their property that they'd lived in together as a couple because of archaic and silly laws. Um, thankfully, we've moved on, and that's relatively recent history. Elizabeth Sladen did all of that fear brilliantly. Barry Letts said, didn't he, when, when she auditioned, she lots of actresses were good at being scared and lots of actresses were good at being brave. And she was scared whilst being brave. And that's a very good uh, summation of, what, of, of, of the attitude that she brings to it, which really helps with, with the drama all the time, is that she's gutsy in, in spite of the fact that she's terrified. So my brothers and sister were wrong. I mean, they were young as well. Um, uh, but they were wrong. Um, I quite do quite like the little spin that he does. And then it's the same shot, isn't it? Uh, uh, he actually reacts early to that gunshot, but I think it was the same shot as when he shot Roth. Um, worm. And I think that was the advert break on Super Channel. So again, I didn't really get that that shot of his uh, of, of of the Doctor's body because uh, it was sort of you know turned into the caption. So those bits all came quite late to me. Uh, I remember my copy of Mordrin Undead for some reason. It had the opening titles of episode one, but then didn't have the, the, the first shot. It sort of it was a funny jump, but I didn't know. And it was only, again, years and years later that I realised I'd been missing the first three seconds of it or whatever. Um, now... Oh, come on, Viral, don't give yourself away. Um... I mean, Donald Douglas does a very good job with that. Donald Douglas is an excellent actor. Um, Bridget Jones, he's in the Bridget Jones movies. He lives in France. Uh, he was in Poldark. There's a, there was a lovely thing, I was going to say recently, but it was probably 20 years ago, um, where, because he and Robin Ellis, who played Poldark in Poldark, I think both live in the same vicinity, and there's a bit where he, Donald Douglas sort of surprised him in character. Um... For, for a thing, maybe it was for a, a, a launch of something Poldarky, but that, that was that was quite nice that they they, they live the same place. But I, I was lucky. I um, I'm on the I'm on the Blu-ray of this um, because I'm cheap and available, I think. And there was a gap, uh, and I was helping them out. Um, so I was able to do a who's round with Donald Douglas when he was interviewed for. I mean, I just basically asked him when he came in and I was like, I okayed it with Ed Stradley. 
who directed the documentary because because Donald Douglas was high on my list because he's had such an illustrious career. Um, he's in is it the ABC murders of the Poirot that he's in? Um, he's in all sorts of stuff. He was even Ruth's hot dad in EastEnders. Remember Ruth, uh, uh, Mark Fowler's wife. Um, Gee, I used to, I used to say, I used to practice that. I am Field Major Steiner of the Sultanan G three Military Assessment Service. I used to, I used to say that. I used to practice. That. I used to, I used to play. I used to play. I used to act. I used to, yes, play act. I, I would, I would. My, my idea of fun was to fantasize about playing, playing a doc. You know, being, being an a, a Doctor Who actor. It's pretty grim isn't it it's i mean what i said about philip hinchcliffe wanting muscular storytelling i know this season was you know um uh, influenced by the commissioning and all that sort of thing of 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 the previous regime but you can tell you know you you can't imagine barry letts and terence dix having this amount of torture um uh, and this amount of sort of gutsiness, the, the, the sort of gutsiness that Holmes and Hinchcliffe bring, that I, th I think really works. I, I, and I remember all of this stuff was the stuff that when I was younger was... was um, it, it, it didn't disappoint me in the way that stuff from other eras did. It, it, it matched or exceeded my, uh, my imaginings. Um, and I think that's because... You know, all of Hinchcliffe's productions are pretty good, and 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 Holmes now, now as, as a script editor, I think, just keeps character and incident and little additions to the script that just keep it interesting or keep it real or or, or, or keep it uh, keep it inventive. There's a there's a lot of attention to detail, world building. Um, to you lump of filth <laughs> they look great they look really spaced out these guys <laughs> and he's quite a genial looking fellow now peter walsh i've not met him i i, I was too late um, when they interviewed him for the blu-ray but i'm glad they got him um so otherwise because if i do him i would have got I, I would have done all three astronauts <laughs> that well take that out of context I've done all three astronauts because um, I've met all three astronauts from Mission to the Unknown. It's amazing. This, I've been so... I love this scene. They, uh, um, I mean, he is, he is destroying the, the the android, which is quite sad. But it's not sad because I think the android is... is I mean, I, if they'd done it in CSO, it wouldn't have worked. It would have stood out a mile. I don't even know if you could do, you could do CSO on location, it, but it would have looked awful. So... You know, the decision not to do CSO, I suppose, helps. But I, I, I think the spindly legs on on an obvious track. It's uh, I, I yeah. I, but I'm supposed to be accentuating the positive. But I, I so I, so it's it's. I, I was going to say we feel a bit sorry for the android. We shouldn't really feel sorry for the android. It's supposed to be a terrifying thing that captures and kills people. Um, but Tom Baker does that beautifully. Um. Uh, and 
Of course, Tom Breaker broke his collarbone in this, which is why often when he's charging about, it's Terry Walsh. Good job he was there to play Zake. Um, but um, and you can you can sort of tell. But they make a good they make a good stab of. Uh, seeing as their leading man's fallen down a ravine and Roger Murray Leach, the designer, who I've also interviewed. God, I'm a bore. Um, I'm so, I'm, it, it amazes me my, that my, if I said those things, I'm a largely disappointed man. But if I'd said any of those things I've just said to you about meeting all of these people and uh, being in their vicinity and, uh, you know, my 10-year-old self would have been elated st- Duck in the middle of nowhere, dreaming of, you know, I'm, my uncle was once in a lift with Tom Baker, and I thought it was my uncle. Um, he was my it was my exciting uncle. He lived in London, and and uh, he's an editor, and so far away from any of the rest of us. The only only one that had any sort of media stuff about him at all. He was once in a lift with Tom Baker, and I was amazed. He was so blasé about it. So, well, hang on, why why isn't this the best story you've ever told anybody? He's he's got a real bluntness about him as well. He he doesn't he doesn't he's not always sort of glittery. Tom Baker. He can sometimes very you know just do it a very straightforward delivery. Not used to Earth gravity. He's got such a brilliant face. Inspired casting. He is Doctor Who. Uh, but. Of course, and and I think I think Roger Murray Leach said that you know Tom Baker was really worried because he's not long into the role, they they haven't they haven't made many episodes with him, so you know if he's unable to do it, uh, recast. Thank goodness they didn't. And I've broken a collarbone, and thank God he had this big coat and the scarf. I mean that's the beauty of the you know that's that is that sort of I love that Shakespeare in love. Thing with Jeff, with Jeffrey Rush keeps going. It'll work, why? Well, because it just does. You know that that you the show goes on. The show must go on. You, uh, 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 and 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 part of the joy of creativity is is it all goes wrong, and sometimes you manage to make a good show, and sometimes because of the disasters you make a better show. I don't think, I don't think, T- Tom Baker breaking his collarbone helps. Sontaran experiment, but I certainly think they uh, they they cover it very well, um, uh, and especially as this 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 major fight at the end, ni- neither of the two main characters uh, are played by the actors that that played them. It's two stunt doubles because Kevin Lindsay had collapsed during the Time Warrior. It was discovered he'd got a heart condition, uh, and so he wasn't allowed to exert himself uh, too much, and that was the heart condition that sadly killed him. Yeah, I think a couple of months after this was broadcast. How sad! Um, and that's pretty the the shatter, the the crushing of the ribcage of the guy that helped him uh, is uh, is is pretty grim as well. The sort of torture element is very much the. You know, the very much the the Robert Holmesy, Philip Hinchcliffe, muscular storytelling. Uh, a nice touch for me and Marta there to cl- close his eyes uh, as he tries to open the door because you don't know he would worry that it it it, it this is it would blow. This is a good. Uh, this is a nice bit where the Doctor jumps on Star and knocks him over. Ow! Oh, because this 
you know, big rocks flying about there. And, uh, and, and Terry Walsh actually doesn't do a bad job of mimicking the Doctor's gait that's been imposed upon Tom Baker. Vural, I think, could get a better death. Uh, that's just... Uh, and, and I think that's why they really emphasise it later. Um, which goes, Vural's d dead. He saved your life. They make quite a meal of it. Of, of, of just going, you know that bit where Vural sort of felt, got pushed over. He died. Uh, whereas in the uh, in the book, I think he falls down a great big ravine or crevasse, or he's, yeah, he's chucked down a chasm. I think, um, and that, and that's a shame because uh, I think I I like Donald Douglas and I think he deserved uh, a, a better send off. Yeah, there we are. Uh, it's, no, he's got a great quality there, Tom, because he's sort of go, I know he's he's he refuses to be sentimental, but he's not he's not glib. I think he does get a bit glib sometimes later on. I'm thinking of Varsh in full circle, but I think he's just like. Um, uh, I remember that 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 I remember being quite quite rather liking the fact they'd gone to the effort to deflate Steyer's head, but I remember. This was on the Tom Baker years, wasn't it? And I think it actually they have him actually laughing in the corner. And I remember when I watched this at my friend Mark's house, and Mark and I shared a flat. Uh, his mate Steve was round, and Steve was really cool. Steve's in a band, uh, and that bit. And Steve's not ill disposed to Doctor. I think he thinks it's sort of, eh, it's retro, it's all right, isn't it? Uh, but he he thought that was awful. And I was like, so when you see Doctor through the eyes of other people, um, I've said it before. You know, we we see body horror where some people see sellotape. Um, and oh, and I like the fact that you get the sort of Ark in Spacey music back at the end of this. It's a nice little tie-in. Uh, but because in the book, I think you get you get a load of time with Harry going through, don't you, through the through through the spaceship, um, and there's millions of Sontarans rather than than the two. And of course, yes, this is a two-parter, so I think this is a very perfunctory ending. You always sort of forgave it because you go, well, it's only 50 minutes long. You can't tell a very complicated story in 50 minutes. Oh, how things have changed. He's that sort of playful, uh, that sort of ghost of a smile that crosses his face. He's, um, But but I, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, if you can deflect an alien invasion just by telling a fairly thin fib... <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think the Earth's ever going to be in any trouble at all. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if the Sontarans have gone to all that trouble of torturing people, which is that, I mean, that is, that is pretty horrible. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, if, if, if after they've gone to all that trouble, just, just, just some bloke they've got no idea who he is looks, <laughs> looks ridiculous. I like this ending. Just just comes and goes, just don't bother invading. You go, call off the invasion, lads. Um, I don't know what that was. Um, I, 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 and I like the ending. The, the ending's as witty and fun as, as the arrival, which is a nice, which brings it full circle. What a jolly breeze. There's a mixture of stuff there because it is quite a jolly and economical story that sort of, you know flies by but it's got it's got the grimness to it as well as well as the lightness of touch brought by uh, uh the, the performances of the of the regulars 
Um, that's good, isn't it? It's good. Uh, but what to choose is slightly more difficult because there's not... There aren't lots of different places and locations. There's not much of a... You know, not much uh, variety in the cast. Um, so I will have a think um, about what... I've also got to think about what... Because we're even Stevens as well. But, oh, and I've got to choose... Now, I, I just have to choose... Uh, another two. Is that the rules? I, this is so early on in this podcast. Because I get them to choose a bonus one. But what's the bonus one for? It's just to make it another one. Do I... Does that help me or does that help them? Uh, so I will choose... No, so I think... Yeah, I think it gives a, ch a, a chance to change the score just at the end. I don't know. Um, so I will choose. Um, I think I, I, the, the, I think the, 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 the torture stuff, which I think is, uh, you know, it's sort of it's bringing quite a gutsy element to Doctor, and they do it well because I don't think it's gratuitous and I don't think it's horrible unless you think about it. Uh, and that's what Doctor Who does at its best, where 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 actually your mind does a lot of the, the damage. Uh, and 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 um, style, Kevin Lindsay, mixture of mask and performance. Um, is that quite a boring thing for me to choose? I'm, I'm, I tend to choose actors. Um, is there any other any other? Um, yeah, no, I will choose the the torture. The, 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 yeah, the plot element of the, the, the torture and and Kevin Lindsay and Steyer just as a Steyer just as a whole. As a whole package. What has my friend Tom chosen? Hello again, Toby. Uh, well, you've watched the Sontaran experiment, and in the meantime I've moved to a different bit of the location I'm in, uh, like they used to do on the Years tapes in the 90s. Uh, and in the last 50 minutes, I have broken my collarbone, I've been captured by three South Africans, and I've sucked the innards from a potato. So in many ways we've had the exact same experience. Um, now I'll tell you my favourite things from the Sontaran experiment. Part two. Uh, so, my first of two favourite things from part two is the scene where Steyer uh, makes Sarah hallucinate and she sees the ground trying to swallow her up. I think that was probably the first time Doctor Who uh, terrified me. But at the same time, I remember being fascinated by that effect of the ground moving and the sound of it. At the same time as being scared, I wondered how they did that. Um, and again, isn't, just, isn't Elizabeth Sladen just wonderful? Um, and my second of two favourite things from part two is the effect when Steyer's head deflates. Again, how did they do that? I thought to myself. Um, and it's a really lovely death that feels like it stands out now. Any old villain can get shot and burst into flames, but I really love seeing one just melt away into nothing. Uh, and my favourite bonus aspect of the story I thought it was going to be that it was all on location, but actually it's going to be that it's all on location and on videotape. I've been thinking about it as I've been wandering around, and I think, while you wouldn't want Doctor Who like that every single week, 
I really love that it's all on videotape. Yes, film is really atmospheric, isn't Spearhead from Space, Marvelous, etc, etc, etc. But there's an immediacy about videotape. It really leaps out at you. If you're watching something on film, things don't move the same way that they do in real life, in your living room when you're watching it. When it's on videotape, it does. It looks exactly the same. There's something that, um, that grabbed me about that a bit more. Um, I really loved it. Well, I think that wraps up the Sontaran experiment, doesn't it? Oh, isn't he lovely? And, um, well, I mean, he got, I, I started well. I got one in episode one, and then I was a complete failure there. I've got to, um, I think I've got, I've, got, I've got to keep my eye on what I choose because I chose two really boring things, and that what, what, what uh, he chose was much more interesting. Uh, I've got to keep my eye on that. I, I failed there. Um, and Tom Wrightley, I think, is victorious um, in, term, in, in whatever, however, the rules of this work, which I'm not, not quite sure of yet. Brinkmanship. Um, his character, Peter Fleming, is utterly charming. He is a love letter to the sort of telly that people who like what we like um, uh, love. Uh, and, it's, and it's not cynical. It's beautifully performed. He's very lovable. He's just launched a podcast uh, featuring the character as well that's really nicely put together uh, so it's that's yeah Thomas as 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 Peter Fleming is highly recommended um, if uh, if you like your archive telly and also you have a sense of humor um, it's, it's such a sweet character so thanks to Tom thanks to you for joining me on my sofa to watch the Sontaran experiment um, uh, let's um, let's let's do this again you know, don't go changing you understand? Uh, I'll see you next time. Ta-ta. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if any of your viewers at home would like to see uh, anything else I have to offer, um, please do look up Peter Fleming on Twitter. He is my comedy character. He is an entirely fictional retired BBC children's pioneer whose classic shows like Professor Zaney's Mad Laboratory and Nicholas, the mischievous cupboard, have all sadly been wiped from the archives, uh, presumably by mistake, and he's determined to find any copies again. Basically, if you're watching this, you'll, you'll probably like it. Um, unless, as I've uh, referenced before, if you, uh, if you live in Derbyshire. But statistically, that, that seems unlikely. Peter Fleming can be found at, at PeterFlemingTV on Twitter. That's at PeterFlemingTV. And his real-life alter ego, Tom himself, Tom Burgess, can be found at tomb underscore urges, tomb underscore urges on Twitter. So tomb urges and Peter Fleming TV are the two places to go if you've enjoyed Tom's contribution and want to see more of him, which you definitely should. listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Hayden. My special guest was the comedian Tom Burgess. Next time on Happy Times and Places, we've got a beetle stuck in our sliding doors. It's turn left.
The music was by Dave Gates. Special thanks go to Chris Boyle. And the artwork was by Dylan Patterson. Please go to www.tobyhadoke.com for more. And don't forget to rate, thumbs up, and generally be nice about this podcast everywhere that you possibly can. It's easy for you, and it helps me, and I'm very grateful. You can support these podcasts and any other of my broadcasting endeavours at patreon.com forward slash and ko-fi.com forward slash Patrons get special goodies and advance releases and my eternal gratitude. Doctor Who is BBC copyright and no attempt has been made to infringe that copyright. Please subscribe to the official Toby Haydoke YouTube channel.